Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Today here on Windowsill Chats, you know, I'm really fortunate in this life to have great friends who have started their own creative businesses and, and made things happen. And I get to share one of those with you today. Michelle Allen is the creative and business brain of Allen Designs. She has always had the dream of doing something big with her art. And at a Saturday market in Portland years ago, Michelle marked the start of what would become Allen Designs. It's basically a world of whimsy and wonderful color and great products. Her lack of, you know, sort of the regular school track didn't stop her from learning everything she needed to know and then some in order to grow a successful business. There's no shortage of getting her hands dirty because Michelle believes that's where the magic happens. In her free time, she cherishes being with her family and her grandbabies. She also enjoys traveling, exploring, and cycling with her husband, Gary. Michelle is always inspired by the beautiful and imperfect world around her. Tuck in. This is a long one. We cover a lot of great business experiences. Michelle was one of the early adapters of getting herself to China and figuring it out on her own. And I'm for ever awed by just her stick-to-itiveness, her creativeness, and her positivity. So welcome, Michelle. I am so thrilled to be talking to my great friend, Michelle, today. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on Windowsill Chats. Thank you, Margaret, for having me. Yeah. I thought you guys in listener land would be super interested in Michelle's story, because as we were talking about before I pressed record. There's a group of us that are just dear friends that kind of one of the common denominators is we've all figured out how to manufacture things on our own. And, you know, in different ways along the way. And before before it was the cool thing to do, we just figured it out. So Michelle is one of those. And wait to see your website, which will be in the show notes. It's absolutely gorgeous. And you're going to be like, I want to know more. So here we are to let you in on a few of the of the twisting turns on the creative path of product development. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Well, I know, I know, and I know you'll tell the story, but beyond, before you were at the market, like, did you grow up 
were your mom and dad creative or like what was what was that like growing up did you always know you were gonna do something painterly um no I did not uh I am an only child and my mother is an artist so and I grew up in a in mostly rural areas so there was a lot of downtime a lot of uh a lot of me being bored. So I spent a lot of time drawing and creating and using my imagination to entertain myself as my mom encouraged because I was also quite active. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, yeah, she was very encouraging to me to make my own Barbie clothes and my own Barbie furniture and all of that good stuff. And yeah, that was nice. And she, I, she, we were talking about this. I was trying, I was asking her to help me like remember my story since I have a terrible memory. Um, and she reminded me that she broke my crayons actually when I was young, cause she, she watched some show or something about creativity and she came home and, and broke all my crayons so that I was forced to like not color in the lines and try to be more creative and all that good stuff. Oh my gosh, mom. I do not remember. Obviously that was like a terrible memory and I blocked that out. <laughs> no, I, so I, I spent a lot of time being creative. Like that was definitely my go-to place, drawing and drawing and drawing, lots of drawing. That was my favorite. And my mom was a, a very, um, she is an amazing, like she used to do, a, she was a hip, total hippie back then. And she would do all this beautiful hippie art, like um she did clay and woodworking with like a Dremel and carving and lots of pen and ink drawing and stippling. That was a big thing back then. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I, and it was always like very realistic, but lovely. And mm. so I would, I aspired obviously to be like my mom. Yeah. And, and so I was always trying to draw things correctly and obviously could never draw things. Oh my gosh. I love your style so much. Where'd you grow up? I don't think I know that. Um, mostly, well, we moved, we lived in Washington, Southern Washington, up in Willard, a logging town. My dad was a logger. And then, um, we ended up moving to Alaska when I was eight and lived in a very small town, 60 miles Northeast of Anchorage for four years. Mm-hmm. And that was very exciting with no running water oh and elect- no electricity. We did get electricity, I think, after the first, I don't know, six months or something. But we lived, we moved up in the summer. We lived in a wrecking yard of a guy my dad met. Wow. And we lived in this little camper on the back of a small, like that was, that would go on a back of a small pickup. We lived in my, we lived in that for all summer. So it was very rustic and yeah. And you make up things and you create things and you make it all happen with your mind. And it, it just, it pays it forward (laughs) seriously. Yeah. I think those, those boring times when I was young, I think led to like really having to problem solve and, and be creative for my sanity. So you had a good, colorful, imaginative childhood. Yeah. Well, colorful with lots of brown carpet. (laughs) Well, yes, that was the times <laughs> of wood paneling and brown avocado carpet. green. Oh gosh. But now I love avocado green. Same here. <laughs> I still don't love brown carpet, but your color sense is amazing though. You, you're one of my color, you know, crushes. You, uh, you just, what you painted it. You'll have to look online. I'll put, I'll post a picture of it, but your bathroom, no laundry room mural you just finished. Oh my gosh. So good. Oh, thank you. I tried really hard to not go over the top 
on that. That's gorgeous. I tend to have no boundaries when it comes to color. And I just, I have the, the more, the better attitude, which is really not how it is maybe should be, but I think it's gorgeous. I think it needs to be wallpaper. Oh, thank you. I limited my color palette on the, on the bathroom mirror or on the laundry room mural. I went in and I bought like, I told, well, I actually told myself I could have six colors. I think I bought eight and then, you know, of course I can mix those colors, but I, I set with that color palette and didn't stray, which is a big, that's a big growth for me. It's it's beautiful. Thank you. It's still colorful. Yes. I I would love wallpaper. So let's, let's do that. Let's put that on the list. (laughs) Let's put that on. As long as we can make it and it doesn't have to ship in a container. We should see at the end of this, how many products we have, have to. (laughs) we're going to do. Oh, they'll be <laughs> done with this conversation. <laughs> exactly. So you found yourself creating your own art when you were, you know, not eight anymore. Were, were you kind of supporting yourself with your own art in Portland when you were selling, when you kind of decided to go more or how did that start for you? So I, in, in high school, I, I honestly, I hated art class because I hated rules. So you would have mm. thought I would have loved art class. And I actually thought I was going to love art class and I didn't, which was kind of worrisome for me since that was such a comfort place for me. You know, like I just yeah. felt good making art, but then every art class, I just was frustrated. And yeah, so, so I didn't love art through high school. I liked PE pretty much yeah. <laughs> was my favorite class. <laughs> Uh, and then the summer after I ended up going to Marquette, uh, Northern Michigan university on a cycling scholarship. Cause oh, I raced cool. bicycles all through high school and, and I took an art class there and that actually went better than high school art classes, but I was going for physical therapy. I thought I wanted to be a therapist. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, except I didn't make it to a whole lot of my classes that year. So there wasn't going to be a lot, <laughs> a lot of hope. Um, I can relate to that too. Needless to say, I'm not a very good student. Uh, and then, so the summer after that year in Michigan, I came home and my mom was um, doing friendly, she was messing around with friendly plastic. I don't know if you remember that yep. stuff. Yeah. Probably super, super toxic. Probably. I probably lost a few years of my life from that stuff, but um, and it, it's like this thin plastic with all these different colors on it and you could melt, melted it together in an oven. Yeah. It was really fun. Uh, the reason so, why they don't sell it anymore. Yeah. It's probably because it's toxic. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so I had never really been cr- like crafty in that way. And, but I, I was watching her, you know, several nights in a row. I was like, Hmm, okay, I'll try that. So I, I started messing around and cutting out shapes and I, I quickly went to animals. And so I started making like pig earrings and dog earrings out of this stuff and, and it all fuses together and it was very whimsical and fun. And, um, so I, I was like, Oh, I think I might be able to sell this. And so I actually, that summer I signed up for the Portland Saturday market, which is a historic market in downtown Portland. And I started doing the port. My dad helped me build this little makeshift booth. And I started going down there with my friendly plastic pins and earrings. And I made these t-shirts with these weird faces on them, like applique. And I I started selling them down at the market, which then didn't seem like a big deal. But now I look back and I was like, wow, that was, that was was a big deal. Kind of fun and interesting, (laughs) like, and random, very random, like, just out of the blue. It's not like I even had a lemonade stand when I was a kid. So I wouldn't say I was one of those very entrepreneurial 
you know, always thinking in that direction. So this was kind of a really big yeah, new kind step of a, for me. Yeah, And it felt really cool. good to like go and like make something and have somebody want it and buy it. I obviously didn't make a ton of money, but I did trade for food with all the food vendors. That was probably the highlight, (laughs) the Polish guy with the pierogies and the, (laughs) well, plus once you get that feeling that, oh my gosh, I made something that somebody wants, that's a runway. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I, I, I think I was very excited about it until it got hot in the summer and then Mm -hmm. it would have a tendency to like melt. And so I wasn't, then I wasn't as confident in the product anymore. Like, Oh gosh, what if somebody's wearing this in really hot weather and it melts to their hair? I started getting like nervous. And so I, anyway, so that was pretty much just a, a one summer stint, but it did, it did kind of give me a little feel, but I didn't think it was going to be a realistic, you know, life for me. Um, I, I would say I never aspired to be an artist, like for, for work, because I watched my mom, um, my mom did scrimshaw. She, she would come up with all these great things and then take them to market. And it, you know, just nothing ever really seemed to go anywhere. So I felt like that was going to be a very hard, frustrating life being an artist. So it never looked that it didn't look love that lovely from the outside as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't think I'd ever be able to support myself or make any money, obviously. Uh, so then I ended up, I enrolled at Mount Hood Community College for graphic design. And I did that. It was at the very beginning of computers, which is oh, yeah. like they had, they were just starting to teach on the Mac graphic design, but they still taught us all the hand graphic design. And I think all the print, we went and visited print shops and they were doing still all the handwork. So it was very, the very beginning. Um, and so we bought like an early Mac for me to learn on, uh, funny as it is. So after the first, after one semester, I quit much to my parents, uh, chagrin and my mom I left the computer with my mom and I moved to California to race my bicycle there you go (laughs) so my mom learned the mac and graphic design on her own (laughs) Uh, yeah such a good kid I love that though when you when you're the only child you can get away with so much remember that yes remember that Cooper Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have one. (laughs) Your parents will always love you because there's only one of you. That's right. (laughs) So I ended up moving to California. I met my husband racing bicycles, worked in a bike. We had a bike shop together in, in, on the coast in, uh, Lucadia. Oh, wow. A small, like near San Diego, North County. Cool. And, um, we were together for, I don't know, for a little while and, realized like, okay, I can't just be a waitress and work in a bike shop forever. Maybe I should get serious. Cause I can't remember if we were married by now, but, but, um, I, I ended up down there shortly after we were like serious. I enrolled again in the community college for graphic design and thought, okay, let's try this again. And it was like 30 minutes away. So I enrolled, went out, bought. I went to the bookstore to buy all my all my books and there was this book and it was beautiful and it was like all this painted furniture and like picture frames like stuff you would find at thrift shops but yeah. painted in these lovely colors embellished and I just was enthralled with it I just remember sitting there and 
I had all these books in my arm that were boring and I'm looking at this beautiful book and it was 1495 and we were just flat broke. So I reluctantly put that book back down, bought my school books, drove back home, was tell and I just could not quit telling my husband about this book. And finally he's like, well, if that's what you want to do, then just do that. Aww. And I was like, Oh, really? He's like, yes, do that. So I, that day drove back out to the college, Love returned it. all the school books, dropped my classes, bought that one, oh bought the, the book that I still have somewhere. And, uh, went back home and he took me, we went to, it wasn't Home Depot, but it was some hardware store. And he bought me, we bought, we bought uh, a scroll saw and some other little tools. And I set up a little shop and started making and painting stuff. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Stuff. I love that. Isn't that fun? That's so good. What was the book? Everybody's going like, what was the book? The, yeah, I don't even, it was, I remember it was like turquoise before turquoise was yeah huge. It was, it was kind of, yeah, it was a very crafty book. I wonder who, who wrote that book. I know. I, I sent them a thank you because it, it was a, it was a total life changer for me. I mean, I, I remember that moment so vividly. If you come across it, you have to send me a, send yes, me who it was. I will. That's, I, will. I love that so much. Those are the things, those are the, that's the difference between what you should, oh, I should do this. And I want to do this. And knowing, knowing how strong that feeling was that pull and being supported in that. That's yes. one. That was key. Cause if he didn't believe in me and didn't encourage me, like, just do it. I was like, really? But you're right. Like what I should do. Cause I felt like, okay, I'm an adult now. I should go back to school and be mm -hmm. serious. And yeah, no. And, and you had such a you had such a passion for it already. I mean, you, it, it fit and clicked for you that you probably just totally went to town. Yeah. And there was something special about that book. I mean, it's yeah. funny. like the colors and just what this, this creator was doing was stuff that I had never even seen or thought that there was like kind of a market for. It was really wonderful. Oh, I love that. So that started it. So that, that was pretty much the start. And then I had, you know, I look back at some of the stuff I made. Um, we owned a small little bike shop at that time. So we had customers coming in the bike shop and I would show, you know, and there are lots of friends. And, and so I would show people like what I was making and people were very kind. <laughs> Let me just say, cause I was, it was not the most beautiful work I was turning out, but people were very supportive and they would like commission me to make, I did like growth charts and, and key ring hooks and like door signs and random stuff. Just lots of it very brightly. I mean, I was in Southern California on the beach too. So, you know, bright colors were yeah very, well, you do have a very graphic, bright, recognizable style, which is one of the things I love so much because I love walking along. And one of the things that Michelle makes a lot of are clocks and you've never seen anything like them if you haven't seen them, but you're, I'm walking along and I'll be in an airport. Or I'll be walking in, you know, in the old days down some street in some town and like oh, Michelle's work is here. You know, it just makes me smile and makes me happy. And I'm sure makes everyone feel that way. Oh, thank you. I love that it makes you smile. That's I, oh my gosh. I love it so much. I mean, I knew your work before I knew you I, pretty much. So one of the things that happened soon after you and I met is that I was in China 
getting back on a plane to come home. And there you were on the same plane. And I remember thinking, oh, my, oh, by yourself. I know, because I mean, I've, I've flown to China to get products made for close on 20 years. And I must say, I'd, I'd always done it with someone like there was, I worked for companies that were larger. One of the reasons I decided to go work for companies that were larger is because I knew I needed to figure out the China thing and I didn't want to do it by myself. And I remember thinking like, looking around, like, oh my gosh, she's figuring it out by herself. I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. It would have been much nicer to do it with somebody (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. I didn't, I will say when I first started, I had, so I had been doing like all our handmade stuff. And I, we went from the Portland Saturday markets, like heavy duty into that every single weekend I was making stuff going, you know, all week and then showing up at the market selling. And then, and then we kind of branched out from there and started doing um, some art shows, like juried shows across the country. And then we, when our daughter was like starting school or that school age, we decided that that was going to be rough to travel so much. So we started doing wholesale thinking that we could, you know, stay more local and then do wholesale. So we did, we did that all with all our U.S. It was all handmade in the U.S. Very, um, very proudly handmade in the U.S., might I say. And that was, my intention was always to be handmade in the u.s that like my heart is there i will like still i mean i love i love handmade that is yeah i love it um and and so at the same time though uh i had a company back in the day i don't know if you remember van group oh yeah 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 um they did those like tea light candle houses or something that was like one of their big i can't remember the artist uh canadian i think but uh, they had approached me at the Atlanta gift show about designing a line for them. And so I wasn't opposed maybe to another company making my stuff somewhere else. I just personally didn't have any desire to make myself stuff somewhere at that time. Uh, But I was always very interested in the manufacturing. Like I loved Mr. Rogers in that part growing up. That was my, I would just like wait for that part at Mr. Rogers when he'd go into the factories and show how things are made. I was obsessed with it. Yes. I loved it. I can still remember a black and white movie in elementary school and it was a factory and it was conveyor belts and all how things, I was like, Oh, I want to see that 20 hundred more times. So interesting. Yes. Couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> That's so funny. Like per, there's just something about the production of mm-hmm. stuff. It's, it, it's kind of mind boggling. Yes. It's mm-hmm. just so cool. So I, um, so I said yes to them. Like I would design a line separate from my own line. Like I kept all the rights to our like clocks was kind of my main thing back then. And so I, I said, yeah, I'd love to design a line. And part of my, part of my saying yes to them was I knew that they sent their artists to China. And so I was very interested in just China and the culture and like seeing how things were made. Um, But at that point, no intention of making any of our stuff there personally. And so I ended up going over for them um, and working with their artists and developing a line. And shortly I I came back and shortly after I came back for the first time, um, I think I went, well, I was there over New Year's actually, uh, Mm -hmm. my very first trip to China by myself. I Mm -hmm. met, um, I met somebody there. So I did have people that met me at the airport, uh, Mm -hmm. but it was my first time actually traveling out of the country 
Wow. And I think, let's see, that was probably 16. I was in my mid thirties, maybe I can't, something like that. Um, Traveling in China is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, no, it was not like, I, I didn't even, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing at all. And so here now I'm my first time out of the country. I'm going to China by myself. Yeah, it was a little, it was nerve wracking, but I was like, oh my gosh, what an adventure. I can't. Yeah, I love that. that. There you. So I was very excited. And I mean, people survived it all the time. So I figured yep. I should be able to survive this. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I went and I worked uh, in the factory with, with Van Group. Uh, for, I think my first trip was maybe two weeks. And that was back before like Skype, I don't even know, like Skype and stuff wasn't a no. thing. I don't even know it. Yeah. I, I didn't have a laptop. I had to borrow the phone at the factory and make quick phone calls to my family to let them yeah. know I was okay. I'm in a hotel room by myself with no English on TV. And, and as naive as I was, I showed up in China with, I think I had two books mm-hmm. and obviously Kindle wasn't a thing then either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had like two books, which I think I read one on the plane on the way there. <laughs> yeah. yep. And I'm now, I just thought I could go to a store and get an English book. I was that, I mean, that naive. And so I get there and there is no English, anything anywhere. And I am stuck like with nothing to do on the off time like losing my mind in a hotel room. It was insane. And I swear that the, the workers that took me out to eat were just there to like laugh at me because we went to all the crazy Chinese places like, and they only ordered the chicken head and chicken feet and all the really in the, Oh, and the durian. Oh, 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 Oh. people love that. We could, we could have a whole episode about Chinese restaurant food, food stories oh, <laughs> every time I went I would lose like five at least five pounds yeah it's just I mean I know it, it it depending on where you where you grow up certainly things are delicacies but for those of us who aren't used to some of those things it's just a little different it is di- and when says. you're not yeah you're not used to all the parts of everything but it's so right. beautiful like it, honestly it makes so much sense really it does the respect i have for how they use all parts of an animal like really like how it sh- i mean i guess we probably use all parts in some respect like they turn it into some i don't even know ways we don't but, know but but yeah they they everything has its purpose and right. Like I, I do totally admire that. Nice. And you eat this because it helps your heart and everything. Has I know a that's the thing. Everything, everything I have, a, I won't go into it now, but I, I ate something once that um, I'd rather not have. And it was my dear friend, Grace kept saying, it's good for your, you know, your skin, it's good for your skin. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I tell you. now now i have the opposite problem though because i love when i i i love chinese food it, it yeah. is like asian food in in real asian food not american right. asian but like oh it's so well, good and fresh and now i gain weight <laughs> i know and i think that's the thing about going and spending time there because you start to see 
you know, when you first go, you're, you're in these big industrial parks and it's, but then you take, you have a, you're, somebody's driving you somewhere and you go the back way by a temple or, you know, you just start to realize, have you ever read the book Wild Swans? No. Okay. It's Yung Chang. It's really one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And you will have, you, you will never look at China the same way again. It's so it's, I won't go into all the details, but I'll just say it's written by a woman. And it's the story of starting with her grandmother, her mother and herself starting in the late 1800s, warlords, Kuomintang, Red Army. It is so good. Go read it right now. It's so good because I just think you, I would, after reading that and I would read it a couple of times, I remember um, just looking at older um, people in China and just thinking, how did you, how did you do it? It was so, they went through quite a lot, but I, yeah. um, it's just a beautiful book. I know there's so many, there's so many things to love about, about China and the, and the Chinese people. Well, you know, and they're so creative. Um, there's so much creativity there and they're so they're sponges to learn it. Right. Because when you look at your product and what that needs to look like, that's an excellent example of you know, the people making it's all handmade, right? I mean, there's a mold that's made, but then it's all handmade and they need to figure out, and we've talked about this before. They need to figure out your hand, your color mix, the way you would paint that eye on the way you would place that wire whisker in there. You know, they have to figure that out to make it right. And they do. Yes. They're incredible. Incredibly talented and so talented problem solving and so quick. Yes. I've been working with the same factory, my main factory. I've been working with them for 13, 14 years. And it, I used to have to go and spend, oh my gosh, in the early days, I would spend two and a half weeks there at a time, three weeks, even just really. And I'd go two to three times a year. It, it was, it was quite a bit where now, um, well, not this last year, thank you, COVID, but, uh, generally I go twice a year Mm -hmm. and I can go and get all my work done in like right at seven days. Yeah. Because they know my style. They know like, yeah, they know my, like my hand. And, and I will say too, like what I love about it is I actually do two dimensional art. Um, I love to sculpt, but I actually, I, I found that I, I enjoy the collaboration between like my line drawing Mm -hmm. and then I go, uh, and there's, there's, we get, we have several sculptors that we've been working with for all these years that come into the factory from outside and, um, and we work through the whole sculpt, but on each item. And what's fun is because they, they see things a certain way that I would never see it like that. So, so we kind of, there's like, I kind of, I kind of let, I let things go or there's, there's just a collaboration to get to the final product. That is a combination of them and me. And to me, that's so much better than if it was just me. Like I love the piece that much more because it's, all of us working together on this piece. That's, I really do think that's one of my favorite parts because when you can be, you know, sort of forgiving and not forgiving is not the right word, but flexible enough to say like, okay, here's what I bring to the table. I bring this, this painting. And they're saying like, well, here's what I bring. I bring the experience of how this is going to 
form and how this might look and somebody else is. So it's, it's totally a creative collaboration. And, and if you can learn from each other, you get this amazing product that's better than it would have been. Yes. I love that. I do. I do too. And half the time, um, like the, the head guy, uh, he's, he's a really good problem solver and he's pretty creative too, but a lot of times things wouldn't actually work if it wasn't for him, because Mm -hmm. I have these crazy ideas that, Mm -hmm. that work well in my brain and, and on paper. But when it comes to reality, you know, he has to figure out like, how is this actually going to stand up or, well, there's that (laughs) (laughs) he's the realist. (laughs) But that's the good part to have, to have that kind of a partnership with, with people like you're lucky to have found a factory. I, you know, just that's amazing that you found a factory that, that was so willing to kind of just dive in and, and make it work. And, but I find that over and over again, there's just so much generosity and caring for what they, they're working with. So very cool. Yeah, it is. It is so, nice. It's a small factory. And I mean, most of their workers have been with them for, for the whole time I've been there. And it is, it's kind of like a, it has a family feel. I don't I know. Love that. Yeah. It's, is it Shenzhen area or is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a more, definitely more like regulated. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, which I, that makes me feel more comfortable yeah. as well. Um, and the fact that I go and I, I see, and I have a girl over there that also visits the fact she, yeah. she and I had worked together actually before this factory. And so she also helps me and visits quality control. Quality control like that. That's important. Food. Yeah. It's been, it's been a really nice. Yeah. If any, you know, one of the things that I, I thought you guys might be interested in is the range of product that Michelle has. When you look at, when you look at your site, you've, you've figured out a lot of different things, but there, there's so much to getting something made. I mean, um, I love that you've figured all that out. And we were talking about this also before we pressed play, but um, there's a lot to getting it figured out because for instance, right now with COVID um, Michelle was telling me that, there, what, how, what were you saying about the containers right now? You, a container is what everything's loaded on a container. It looks like a train car. It's put on the back of a boat and it's shipped over. But right now there's a shortage because of COVID and shipping and, and who knows what I'm not even in Chinese new year. I'm sure that's oh, all. Yeah, that, so there's all these little things that you have to think about. It's not just, Oh, I'm going to go make this product happen. So that makes me just even that much more you know, impressed with what you've done. You use resin, right? Yes. So on the clocks in the planners, on the clocks in the planners. but you have fabric, you figured out things like, you know, compacts and, you know, your awesome tote bags and, you know, you've just figured a lot of things out. Did you, how'd you decide to kind of do that? Um, well, I've, uh, you know, as a creative, you're always on to one thing or another. I've done, I've kind of, from the very beginning, I always was, so clocks have been our, our constant. And then from there I've done mirror, like I, at one point I did hand mirrors. And um, so I did a whole little line of hand mirrors for a season and I've done jewelry stands. I've done, I did a whole line of ceramics, Um, so I'm always trying to bring in something different. And I mean, for, for my own sanity of just, you know, creating and, and doing something new, um, but also just to keep the interest of, 
of our customers and our retailers. Uh, some stuff sticks and, and plenty does not stick. <laughs> as, as you know, well, you have winners and you have plenty of losers. But once which, you're in, you have to keep thinking of new things. You, yes. you, do. you have oh, to yes. keep your customers, you know, coming back. Because at the gift shows, especially that is the big question. What's yeah. new? What's new? Exactly. You know, I was looking at your um, Instagram stories sometime this week, your customer, your consumers have, do such gorgeous things with your product. Uh, yeah. There the was one picture of those modern planters in the bathroom with those wooden beads. Oh my gosh. Yes. They look totally different. They're so, you I know, know elevated. Totally it up. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. You, you've got a lot of love out there. It's so, it's so great, Michelle. Oh, thank you. And the other thing that I don't think you, um, give yourself credit for is your painting is so stunning. I, you guys can't see it, but in the back on your far wall, there's some amazing painting going on back there. You just are so talented. I just, I love that you do it your own way. Thank you, Margo. I just keep trying. You just throw stuff against the wall and something sticks that right. Isn't that it's true? It? It's true. But I think, you know, all the way along, you've, it seems like you've kind of embraced the parts of it that you you love to do. And I mean, you know, having your own business and making product is not easy by any means, but it's rewarding. Yes. It's been, it's been rewarding going, going back to like how us being all us made. And then yeah. we got uh, the band group shortly after I started working with them, I, I found out that uh, an employee, which were very, I mean, all us made very small studio, um, a gal that worked for me had quit and she, she started making product that looked a lot like mine. That's right. And she, that. yeah. And which, you know, total blessing in disguise because it, she was making clocks and using like everything I had taught her over the years. My, I mean, my kids cried when she left, like when mm. she quit oh my gosh. and she didn't, you know, it was, she, she, we threw her a party when she left. It was all in good standing. I had no idea she was going to go off and like compete with me in the marketplace, which that was very hurtful. And, and I sat on, I laid on the couch for several days feeling sorry for myself and thought my life was ending. Cause you know, as a whimsical handmade artist, you know, that there's a, there's a very small market for yes. your work. And if you have somebody coming in, taking part of that, when you're yeah. barely surviving, that could be the end of you. And so it was very worrisome. And, um, but I, but I was, I was scheduled to go back to China for the van group. And, um, so I ended up in, and they were, they're a big company. So at the time, like I, I called, um, I called Chi and I just said, Hey, uh, you may, you may, you have legal on staff, you know, would you mind, do you want to send a, a legal letter mm -hmm. to her? Uh, and he, he just gave me great advice at the time. He just said, Michelle, you know, my advice to you, you will always have someone trying to knock you off or do what you're doing. You just need to stay two steps ahead and keep doing your, what you're doing, keep doing your thing, focus on that. Don't focus on, you know, just focus on staying ahead and in, in creativity. And, um, and he also said, you know, this is going to happen to you. So you can either go and like essentially knock yourself off mm -hmm. and, uh, get your production up and your price, your costs down. You can do that or someone else will come along big and do that to you. Mm -hmm. And so he probably said it much more eloquently, but 
I, and he said, if you want, you can use our factory. And, and yes, such a generous offer from him because he, I didn't give him any rights to the clocks. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something, there wasn't a conflict really. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure it was his factory. So it would probably help his factory out as well. So I was just like, Oh gosh, I don't want to, I'm a definite like kiss person. Right. Is that it? Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. That is my, mm-hmm. <laughs> been my motto. So I was like, Oh, that just sounds like so much headache and stress. And, and so I was very undecided. I went on that trip to China and at the end of the trip, the guy that I was working with from the van group said, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we have your line tied up. It's done. We have three more days here. If you want to work on something of your own, go for it. And I was like, okay, Wow. What I mean, okay, but I still like I was kind of half in, half out, but yeah. I was like, okay, let's just see what we can come up with. So I started like sketching out some clocks real quick and I handed them over to the sculptors and I literally left. They worked so hard on, I don't even know, maybe four designs that I came home with like my first four finished designs. Wow. Like samples. And I was so like, my kids were young and I was like coming home and thinking, how am I going to tell my husband that I have to turn around and go back to China? Like Mm -hmm. I, oh my gosh, I was so excited. It was, it was incredible. Like just seeing stuff made three-dimensional and the, like, it just all kind of opened up in my mind. Like, this is it. Like, this is so fun. And so I came home and like exploded to my husband. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm leaving you with the kids again. I have to go back. And I, I think I booked a trip and was probably back in China within a week and a half. And I showed up to the gift show. I, I think I might've flown straight to the Atlanta gift show from China with my boxes of samples and taking orders. Like it was just an insane, it was, it was completely insane, but I felt like, I mean, I felt like I really, even looking back, if I had not have done that, I'm not sure I would still be in business today. Mm. Just the market and, and, and it was just so hard and yeah, it was just, no, I hear you. It's challenging. Well, somebody, like he said, would have passed you by with those ideas. So I'm glad like now, you know, I'm still, I'm still a small business. It's, it's me. I go to the factory. I work with the people and it's, you know, I'm, it's, I'm not a big box. And it's, I think that there is, I mean, people kind of want to put you in one category or another, and there is, there is a middle in there. And like my customer is small business. I have my, my customers are mom and pop shops. You know, that is my, those are my people and I'm loyal to them. Like I, we don't sell to any big box. We've, we've been pushed and approached and we don't sell to any big box companies. Um, You know, we have some really small chains that look like, um, you know, owner, what do you call that? I don't know. You know, just small business, small businesses. And so it's been, and and it's been a win-win because they're also looking for unique product. That's not sold in target and, and the big box places. And we serve a need. So, you know, yes, we are imported and we aren't handmade in the U S but we're still serving, we're still serving small business and, and, providing a way, like hopefully that we can all survive Mm -hmm. people to stay unique product to be, you know, small run. It's totally artistic art driven. It wouldn't exist without that. It's, you know, creatively made. 
you know, I, I think a lot of time people don't understand the, the nuances around, around that, you know, we look at big box cause that's, what's, what's easy to see and think about. Um, and they might, you know, make thousands of thousands of something, but it's really, there's a lot of companies that are making 60 of something or a hundred of something yes. and no, no more than that. Because too, like, I think, you know, if you're, if you're making fine art, I, I, I think this, or this is what I felt early on is when you're making more of a whimsical product, there tends to be a, a price cap on mm, it where mm-hmm. if you're making, do you find that, do you see that too? Yeah, I do. You know, if you're making fine art, then, you know, sky's the limit. But when it comes to like whimsical functional art, especially right. then, then there is, there are price points that you're trying to meet. No, you're right. You're right. People kind of put that in a different category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And you, and if you pa- surpass them, they're like, mm, that's too much for that look. Yes. Love hearing about this. It's just, and I could talk about it all day because it's so much of what, so much of the experience that I've had. And, and like you, I really wanted to learn that. I really wanted to understand ma- what manufacturing meant and what, um, how to get things made in a way that we couldn't, couldn't make that happen here. Yeah. Well, and you can have some, I mean, certain things are, are definitely easier to have made here. And sure. And, and that's fantastic. And I want to yes. support that all the way, but there's just, you know, I mean, without it's a, again, it's a whole other episode on the whys, but um, it, you know, some things are meant to be made in different ways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we're always changing. I mean, I'm always, you know, I'm always looking for better ways of doing things and different opportunities and, you know, ways I can make our product more sustainable. That's definitely something high on, on my list is, Mm -hmm. is trying to figure out, um, better products. Like we did water bottles. Um, and that was definitely like near and dear to my heart because it's reusable and stainless steel that, that was, that's been great. We just did, um, we did a line of our pet, uh, fabric, reusable bags. Um, and so, you know, just trying, we're definitely trying to work in those directions and everything takes time. And yeah, I, I think it's being mindful of that, knowing you, knowing that's important and working with, I mean, sometimes it's just ourselves figuring that out. Cause I, I, I totally agree, but you have to, there's steps to get there. You know, it's like, if you, if you're going to use something that's not biodegradable, how much of is it, is it recycled? Or, you know, there's, there's certain ways to, to look at that. And I think the important thing is to move towards um, solutions that work. Yes. For you. Thank you. I would love to know, cause I love to ask this question. Who's inspiring you right now? I knew you were going to ask me that question. Cause I listened to your podcast. <laughs> Which I've, I've, uh, found some great people from you asking this question. Oh, good. So thank you. I love that you asked this question. I love this question. Um, I, it, it's always changing for me. I, yeah. I'm kind of fickle in that way. I think um, that's totally normal. It changes every day for me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> same, same. Uh, you inspire me for Aww. one, because I just, the fact that you had an idea and you have jumped on it and done it like, and done it well. And that's, that's very, I mean, I was with you at Alt Summit when you were talking about it. And so to watch it all come to, to be is very inspiring. 
Thank you. It's, um, you know, I, I, be, I live kind of life that way where if you feel something strongly, you should try it or move there or taste it or whatever that is. And, and I'm, I'm glad it's working out. And I have a, an amazing editor, Katie, who helps that happen. And, you know, people like you that I get to talk to because I adore you anyway. So it's a win-win. I adore you. Thank you. Um, I also, uh, Justina Blakely, of oh, course. Yeah. I mean, who mm-hmm. does she not inspire, right? In Jungle. Uh, yes. I love her, like, I love her lifestyle brand. I love just, I just love her. And uh, I love her new house. That She's she your vibe for sure. Bought. Yes. Well, I, I, yeah, I wish she, I was more like her. Um, and uh, Amblewood Studio, mm. her name is Jennifer. She's a local artist, but just, like her, her Instagram, her Instagram is Amblewood Studio and she's just passionate about creating. It's very, um, lots of like just a natural vibe and all handmade. She does ceramics and painting and it's just, oh, I, cool. I just love it. But I can just, her passion is just Come uh, through. contagious. Yeah. You want, like, you just barely glance at her, at her, what she posts and you're like, oh, I want to get in the studio and make something like she makes it just look so lovely. And also, I also, um, listen to, besides your podcast, um, I listen to how I built this by Guy Raz. Oh yeah. 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 I love, I love that's that podcast because it's just so interesting. The place people, how they build businesses and where they come from. And he's such a good interviewer. So that's, oh, those are so good. Thank you. Thank you. So if you want to leave a couple of gem tips with people that are thinking, should I start my own? Should I try and start my own (laughs) business? Make product in China? What would you tell yourself on that first trip? (laughs) I would probably say, okay, I would probably say go to India. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. just, uh, just with the, like everything. Um, and just, I mean, yeah, I would, I'd probably say maybe look at India. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely, we have, uh, some of our product made in India now, and I really look forward to pursuing yeah. that direction more. It's um, a slightly different, um, what you get is a little bit different. How it's made is a little bit different. How long it takes is a little bit different. The precise aspect of it is different, but there's, you know, positives to that too. Yes. Yeah. And that's just for me personally that Mm -hmm. I, I would like to do more in India. And I would say like, there's lots of things to consider when you're making product. I like consider your shipping and the cost of shipping is so high now. And so you have to think about how bulky is it? How much packaging do you need? How much breakage is there going to be? Um, I, I wish I was a jeweler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Small, lightweight, unbreakable. That would be beautiful. Uh, I, I'm sadly not a jeweler. Uh, but just, you know, my mind is definitely thinking more in directions of what, like, you know, fabrics and things that won't break that can ship easily to the cut to our, our, our retailers. Um, but then also it can be shipped again easily and, and inexpensively if needed. So I was just curious, you know, I know this, that COVID has affected businesses we never thought would be affected and, and had others 
that found a way around it or found a way through it. Have you managed? Okay. I know in the beginning you had some plans that had to kind of change direction. Like most of us, but yes, all plans were completely canceled. I think we were talking about going to India together, actually, weren't we? We were, and you were about to open a store. Oh yes, that too. (laughs) Yes. None of that happened. Uh, Yeah. COVID obviously shut most of the retailers down. So that in turn shut us down. Not to mention, I think uh, Washington state had laws on, you know, being in at at work and stuff. Um, We, I actually like a year before, thankfully a year before COVID um, I just, I really started uh, focusing more on social media and some direct to consumer sales, just more for advertising purposes at that time for our retailers, just to kind of get, get our brand out there and, and get more people seeing what we're, what we're doing. So I had been working really hard on that for probably a year prior to COVID hitting, thankfully, uh, like, um, because that did like instantly people were going more to buying direct because they couldn't go into the stores. And so that really like helped save us initially, uh, to, to be able to, you know, I did realize, um, how much I do love, our retailers because, Mm -hmm. um, they do so much work and they are so essential to like, just our, I feel like our culture and our economy. And so I, I quickly, um, became even more thankful than I already was because, uh, doing direct to consumer and shipping retail is a lot of work and, (laughs) and I'm so thankful and it's been fun. Um, it's also helped drive kind of some of my direction because I'm hearing directly from people. So it's, I think it's been good and it's, we have a great store locator on our, on our website. So hopefully like it's been a win-win we try to advertise for our retailers, you know, where you can find our stuff locally, because generally it's still going to be cheaper for you to buy it locally, uh, than, than ordering it from us. Well, I, I just think you're one of those things that at this time, just like anything that makes somebody smile, you know, work that makes somebody smile and your Instagrams are so gorgeous and you you just, you inspire me. Thank you. Thank you. You inspire me. Thanks. Thanks for just telling your story. I just, I really wanted to talk to you because I think all you have figured out and kind of the way you got yourself there is, is just so inspiring. So thank you. Thank you, Margo. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.